WLIW-FM In Conversation, our special program that brings you dynamic voices from across our region and beyond. Welcome to WLIW-FM In Conversation. I'm your host, Diane Michelli, General Manager of WLIW-FM, and joining me is Catherine Wallach jewelry designer, owner of Shoplift in Amagansett, where you can find her collection, and actress, known for her roles in Goodfellas and The King of Comedy, along with many others. Thank you for joining me today, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're thrilled. So excited to be able to talk to you about all of your amazing artistry throughout your life and now. Um, and you're an artist in multiple disciplines. Recently, concentrating some of your artistic energy on jewelry making. How did you get into jewelry making? Well, that's an interesting story. So when I was about, well, first first off, I my location is on Main Street, Amagansett, and I was found at six years old, parked on a blanket on Main Street, East Hampton, selling my little strung beaded itsy bitsy necklaces when I was really little. So I moved down the block a bit. Um, But let's say I got started because I was taken to a factory, a jewelry factory owned by one of my dad's relatives on 38th Street in New York City. They let me run rampant in the basement. And I I guess I even then had pretty good taste in in, uh, beads. (laughs) They, They put me downstairs and there were these brown paper packages that looked like um, dry cleaning bags, mm-hmm. you know, like when they, when you get dry cleaning delivered, ripping them open with beads and, and glitter and goo coming out. Oh, I how exciting for a, a little girl. It was amazing. And I was so disrespectful to those packages, I'll be honest. But I started out that way. And, and that company was also responsible for designing the, uh, creating the pipe cleaner dolls little little oh yes and the bead looms Mm -hmm. so you know wall bead was the name of the company and it's no longer and so i guess i got started from a very very young age just stringing beads as one does and and um, eventually going into stringing beads with plastic bubblegum charms (laughs) and then it went on from there and and went on from there to today. So what is your jewelry collection today like from stringing little friendship bracelets and, and you know, pipe cleaner dolls, which, and looming on those toys that we all had back then, which were so fun. But your jewelry making has evolved quite a bit. So tell us a little bit about how, that evolution and, and what kind of jewelry you're making today. Okay, so... I guess when I was in my early 20s, I was living in Los Angeles and a friend of mine, well, she became a friend. At first, she came into a shop I was working in um, selling eyewear, strangely enough, because that's a whole other side of my life. But anyway, she came in, she saw that I had on this charm necklace and she dumped out her handbag and said, I'm looking for somebody to make a necklace out of these and dumped out all of these incredible charms on the counter. And I said, well, you came to the right place because I made this necklace and I'm happy to make this for you. She then helped uh, produce a show of my, what we call charm necklaces, uh, interview charm necklaces predominantly, in a gallery in Los Angeles. And those consisted of, uh, I would do an interview with someone, uh, an hour long interview, and come up with 
charms and ask for things that were in their jewelry box that someone gave them that they loved the person, but it was the ugliest thing or something that was broken or lost or whatever. And I would make these kind of talisman necklaces based on people's life. And then, so it kind of became a life necklace and I would have to be in touch with the person. This is where the marketing genius comes in. (laughs) I'd have to keep being in touch with the person as their life would continue adding charms on. Um, I started packaging uh, some of them, like I do a, a pink and a black and a white necklace and I would package it in a, a good and plenty box or I would do something that was um, orange and yellow and blue and put it in a tide, empty tide bottle. That's so fun. That was pretty much how I started with the charm jewelry. And then a little bit later on, I was working for this eyewear company and I had on a piece of mine and the the buyer said to me, who made your necklace? And I said, I did. And she said, oh, come on, really? I said, yeah. She said, well, we'd like to see your line. And that was on a Friday. And by Monday, I had compiled all of these rosary necklaces Wow! and put charms on them. And that was Barney's. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But yeah, <laughs> sure. Barney's, unfortunately, not with us anymore. Yeah. And that was a very long relationship. Uh, My first check that they cut me was $17,000 and I put it in my fax machine to make a copy of it and it got stuck in the machine. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was panic, panic, crying open the fax, the roller with my my letter opener. Anyway, so that was kind of how the, that whole collection started. We'll call it the rosary collection. And one of the reasons why I was using rosaries was because Honestly, I got the order on a Friday and Monday I had to produce the collection. So I had to buy pre-made necklaces. Ah, interesting. But that was very smart, though, because you could have just bought chains, but you bought rosary beads. Yes. And I had, and I was wearing one. So they wanted it to look like what I had on. Oh. I also will, will go so far as to say that the idea of the rosary and the faith in that, that those beads mm-hmm. um, kind of infused also my choice of using them because I really like uh, jewelry that that people wear next to their skin and that it feels like a talisman and that it has a lot of personal mojo, shall we say, in the necklace or in mm-hmm. the bracelet or the ring or whatever. So a lot of my jewelry is one of a kind. And, you know, especially when I do custom things, I really take, um, take that to heart. I want to make something that's really personal to each and every person who orders it. What it, what has been the manifestation of some of that personal connection with your jewelry in terms of some of the stories that people have told you that have then become a piece of art? I guess like my biggest joy is when somebody comes in the store and they don't want to, they are not a jewelry person. They don't really like or wear jewelry and yet they have to have a piece. They just feel this pull towards it. For example, I have a whole line of um, beach stones that I, my mom started me collecting beach glass and beach stones here in the mm-hmm. Hamptons when I was a kid. And I had so many beach stones and shells and whatever. I started putting diamonds with them and started making jewelry out of them. I guess the idea that somebody really wants to have a piece and wear a piece of my jewelry that does not even like jewelry creates the most pride in, in me as a designer and an artist. Well, because here you have someone who is really not into jewelry, but yet they have to have your jewelry. Yeah. And it's really not about, you know, that it says my name on it and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. It's more that 
that I can actually um, become almost part of someone's skin, you know, in a way. Mm -hmm. And that said, that can also go the other way where (laughs) I've been known to maybe not really want to sell a piece of jewelry to someone who really does not ring my chimes, honestly. Sometimes it just just happens where somebody is, uh, you know, it's rare, but somebody is just not vibing with me and and therefore the piece just does not want to go home with them. <laughs> You're like, maybe you like this instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so your jewelry is very intricate in many ways. So what is your process for making your pieces? Well, I have so many collections that it almost looks like I'm lying when I say, like when people walk in the store, they think, when I say I make 90% of what they're seeing, they don't believe me because I have so many personalities inside of one body. But Mm. um, one whole collection kind of grew out of the whole uh, interview necklace charm story. And I went from, let's say, the necklaces that had bubblegum charms mixed with gold and silver on beads and on string to buying antique chain in France or England and cutting up stick pins and or using broken pieces of brooches or single earrings so they become charm necklaces with 36 charms on them so those those have really morphed from plastic into fine metal charm necklaces which all have names everything has a name in the store um then there's a whole collection of cameos which is a big joy for me i make them in down below naples um Mm. i buy antique settings Uh, of rings and pendants and earrings and brooches mostly. And then I have uh, them carve. I have a a family carving uh, my designs into cameos so that uh, oftentimes it'll be a quote from either John Lennon or Tennessee Williams or Muhammad Ali, or it will be a naughty position of a couple, or it would be words that flip like I have a ring that says dog on one side and it flips to say God on the other. Those are flip rings. So the whole cameo thing came out of, I was once in um, Pompeii and I saw a brooch of an aroused donkey and I did not buy that brooch. And I was so sad. It just stuck with me. It's one of those things that stuck with me. So I decided I'm going to make that brooch. So eventually I found a family. It took a long time to find the right family that carved the cameos. And I've been working with this kid since he's 19. He's 40 now. Wow. And um, We have kind of a, a shorthand. I go and I sit with him and I choose the shell that he carves. I choose wow. the color, the thickness, the shape. Um, and then we sit for hours. So that's one collection. And then there's there's a whole kind of side of my jewelry that that is... Uh, I'm trying to make modern jewelry with old techniques, which mm-hmm. are dying for sure, dying art. Um, so I so I make a, a part of my jewelry collection looks like it's antique, mm-hmm. but it's but it's made now. So I'm not trying to make it a copy of something antique. Right. I'm just trying to use my taste or my design using the techniques of days gone by. Well, like so the cameos, that, not your grandmother's cameo at all. I mean, it no. looks like a cameo, but the the carving is something quite different. Yes, it is totally a cameo. It's using the same techniques, the same shell, although I do use mother of pearl often mm-hmm. as well. Um, and there's very different 
uh, kinds of cameos you can do. You can do uh, a reverse cameo or you can do a, a, a relief. Mm -hmm. uh, so it either is all white with the word down in or or it's dark in the background with white letters uh, showing. It's it's a very interesting uh, technique using a Dremel, like a dental drill. That same fellow also engraves beads. I, I buy old antique white coral beads and engrave whole passages into the beads. So let's say it would be a passage from Lady Chatterley's Lover, or it would be Your Wedding Vows, or it would be the the prayer of St. Francis in Italian, and it and it and it's from the beginning to the end of the necklace, and you also receive with the necklace the phrase that you've bought. And that's kind of an elaborate undertaking in that he carves the beads. Then I have my stringer, who does not speak English very well, string them in the exact order that they read. And then I hand paint each bead by hand with, with a, a black um, special ink, kind of uh, indelible ink. Long process, intricate, very special, very personal, as you said. Yeah. And you've talked a little bit about some of your signature pieces. What would you say is your signature style, or is there not a signature because there's so many different facets to your artistry? Um, I would say there is definitely when when people see my my jewelry, they say that it's whimsical. I like to think of it as classical whimsy, or um, yeah, I would say classical whimsical would be would be uh, or irreverent. I, I definitely have an immaturity about me <laughs> mixed with a high sense of, I definitely do have a, a very specific uh, taste. And my husband says, you know, everything in your store is your taste. And it, and in a way I want to say, yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm proud of that. But at the same time, I also, um, I also like the fact that I have something just about for everyone. The one thing I'm not good at, honestly, is making very heavy, heavy jewelry. Heavy on your neck, heavy on your ears. You can stack little necklaces and put things together, but I don't really um, feel comfortable making very, very bold jewelry. I've never been comfortable with that. Speaking of grandmothers, when we're talking about cameos, my grandmother always wore a 13, as you do. <gasps> yes. That's my, right. Yes, my grandmother from Italy. Uh, prescribed to the magic of the number 13. She thought it was a lucky number, unlike uh, many people who think it's an unlucky number. And she always wore a 13 around her neck, as do you. Why do you prescribe to the number 13? What does it mean to you? Well, so I'm born on the 13th of July, and I've always kind of felt uh, a bit other, shall we say, between having a gap in my teeth, between just living inside of this body and this mind that I've had. So I guess the fact that the number 13 in our country represents something of bad luck, I thought, how great would it be to wear, and I don't only wear one, I wear a necklace with about 36 13s hanging off it. Mm -hmm. um, how great would it be to take the piss out of the, the bad luck? And 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 use it as a a, a good luck uh, piece. My husband is born on the thirteenth. We married wow. on the thirteenth. Wow! Uh, the fact that there's no number thirteen aisle in a in an airplane or or elevator floor or I just kind of feel like well we the lucky ones who in Italy I 
I spend a lot of time. I have a home in Italy. So we, the lucky ones, uh, are born on that day or, or, or feel a pull towards that number. And therefore, I, I believe it brings good luck. Does the number 13 work its way into your jewelry for other people as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. I have um, 13 ID bracelets. I have single charm 13s. I'm always putting on all of my charm jewelry. There usually is a 13 represented somewhere. Just, just um, even if somebody is not comfortable with it, I'm trying to delicately move them towards accepting that being other is, is a plus and, and something to celebrate, not to be afraid of. I also noticed um, that people were saying things about marijuana and the number M being the 13th. There's like, I don't know, some people were uh, associating 13 with that, but hmm. it also has a whole um, Jewish uh, association, which is lovely. And, and also, you know, the, the young boys, bar mitzvahs. Um, so a lot of people buy a charm for it for that purpose as well. Mm-hmm. Which is, mm-hmm. it, it, makes me really happy no matter what reason they're buying it. That's wonderful. So you recently opened Shoplift in Amagansett. Why now and why here on the East End? Uh, I was last summer in the meatpacking and said after three months, uh, I did not want to open any other shops. I'm 60 years old and I just thought uh, I've done it with retail. And somebody showed me a picture of this location with these beautiful exposed beams. It looks very much like Tuscan dollhouse in here. Uh, And I just immediately upon seeing these pictures said, okay, I guess just when you try to get out, they drag you back in. So I had to open this store and it used to be uh, the tack shop. It was a horseback riding shop and it has fitting rooms. So one whole room has been tricked out with vintage clothing, shoes, handbags, all sorts of funky and funny accessories, um, which people seem to really be enjoying. And then the rest of the shop, which is 16 jewelry cases full of jewelry, is uh, my, are my, my different collections of jewelry. Um, I named it Shoplift because I just didn't want to uh, exclude people that would have wanted to come here for other reasons. Because sometimes if it just says jewelry by and my name, I'm not so associated with my name that I think I'm so great. Great, I have to have my name on the street. And I thought, let's put something out there that represents what I do. So shop lift. I lifted the shop many times now. This is my fourth time. Uh, And also it's irreverent. Uh, You know, I admit that. And also it's very, very uplifting in here. It's a joy to be in here. There's I won't say because it's nice when people visit and and, uh, discover on their own, but there's toys in here and my obsession with miniatures as well as large things. um, The displays are just delicious. And that's kind of another one of my joys is my, um, my, uh, what do we call it? Uh, It's not display. It's uh, what's that word? Come on now. Uh, installation, I'll call it. My installations are... Yeah, it's like an art insta- art installations, really. Yes, and you can imagine the next holiday coming up is my big jam. It's Halloween coming up. So all of October here at Shoplift will be uh, quite unusual. I, I should put it that way. That'll be fun to see. 
This is WLIWFM in Conversation. I'm Diane Michelli, and I'm speaking with Catherine Wallach, local jewelry designer, owner of Shoplift in Amagansett, where you can find her collections, and actress. And Catherine, you are the daughter of acting royalty, so to speak, Eli Wallach and Ann Jackson. How did growing up with your celebrity parents, artists, influence your work as an actor, which you are also, and now as a jeweler? Well, let's put it this way. When I was very little, um, at six or seven years old, I was in a film with both of them and got my union card. Uh, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to be an, an actress. I thought I wanted to be a rockette and a sing in a band and ride horses and design flower arrangements. And I guess being brought up in a, in a very disciplined family. My father was very proud of his military prowess as much as his acting. Um, I, and I guess being brought up in a family of artists that were very disciplined, it gave me this uh, appreciation for any form of art. And not only appreciation, but it gave me um, permission in a way to express myself through art. I have to express myself through art. I literally do the flowers for all the weddings of anybody in my family, not myself, thank God. Um, I bake, I decorate homes. I, I have to, like I say, I have to express myself through some sort of artistic expression or I don't feel well. And actually that's been something that's been interesting about this shop is that I kind of put myself into an administrative position and I need to get back to being the, the creatress, I should say. So uh, in a way, I, I would, to answer your question in a long, long uh, breath, I think being around artists and seeing the discipline that both of them had, um, as well as working in theater with them from, from a, a young age, we did many, many plays together, all four of us, my sister my, and my parents, my brother being behind the camera, my brother's a cinematographer uh, and an artist, extraordinary artist, um, as is my sister. We all, I guess, were um, reared with this understanding that art is a guarantee of sanity, as Louise Bourgeois would say. Any new acting roles coming up for you? Or are you totally focused on your jewelry correct collection right now? I'm actually very excited. I'm uh, working on Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. I'm fi finally old enough and crazy enough to take on the role of Martha. Um, I'm going to produce a production, hopefully, um, involving people from the actor's studio. I'm a board member there. Um, and before that, uh, I'm going to Italy on the 1st of September to work in a workshop that I helped produce at the um, La Mama Umbria. Uh, it's a sensory workshop. So I I'll be working on Martha through, through um, the technique of sensory. I've also written a screenplay for myself because most of the time, one doesn't get the role of one's life, so I figured I'm going to write one. Never written a screenplay before, and um, it involves my pro my property and my experience uh, of my house. I have a house in Italy, 23 years, and um, so hopefully I'm going to be able to shoot some of that next summer over there in my little house in uh, Maremma, in the Turanian side of Tuscany. Well, the artistry continues to evolve, it seems. So what can we expect next from your jewelry collection? Any surprises percolating? I guess. I guess I'm, uh, I'm really mm, taken by the idea of text 
I guess because of also my my acting um, side. So whenever I see uh, an antique ring, let's say with a beautiful uh, big open stone on it, I I can't help but think, wow, what I would do to <laughs> engrave these words into it. So oftentimes uh, lately, I've been hearing things, or or especially politically, uh, romantically, or just. Uh, I don't know, even even reading a poem or a book, uh, I'll see a phrase and, and it suddenly speaks to me and, and it has to become a cameo or a ring or a pair of earrings. So so I'm, I've been kind of fascinated with, with text more than anything lately. And you mentioned to me that also will include text from rappers and hip-hop songs with the 50th anniversary of hip-hop this year and your rapper collection of rapper and music-inspired cameos. Thank you, Catherine Wallach, jewelry designer, owner of Shoplift in Amagansett, and actress. This is WLIW-FM In Conversation on 88.3 FM on the East End and Southern Connecticut and at 96.9 FM in Western Suffolk. You can listen to more episodes of WLIW-FM In Conversation on our website at WLIW.org radio on the NPR One app as well as other streaming apps and podcast platforms. And you can follow WLIWFM on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at WLIWFM. I'm your host, Diane Michelli, General Manager of WLIWFM. Thanks for joining us for this latest episode of WLIWFM in Conversation. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of WLIWFM In Conversation, our special program that brings you dynamic voices from across our region and beyond.